but I read a lot of um, Wild West books also, like Wild West romances, which looking back now were incredibly problematic. But, you know, when I'm 10, 11, 12, I'm not thinking about any of it. I'm just like sex on a horse. Welcome to Steam Scenes, the podcast about... Wait, hold on. Sure, sex is, well, sexy, but it's also sassy and it's silly and it's fun. Hi, I'm El Greco and I write steamy romance. On my podcast, Steam Scenes, I'm joined by my fellow romance authors for some explosive, <laughs> see what I did there? Conversations on writing all the naughty bits. Sit back, relax, and join us for some scintillating conversation on Steam Scenes. USA Today bestselling author Melanie Johnson, also known as hashtag the writing lush, joins us on Steam Scenes today. Melanie enjoys sipping cocktails that start with the letter M. Mm, margarita? Mm, 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 mm. I can't even think of any others. <laughs> Manhattan. Um, and Mojito. Mojito. Thank you. Okay. Mimosa. <laughs> I just drew a blank. I was like, margarita. Is there anything else? Margaritas. Margaritas all around. Okay. She was declared a writer to watch by Kirkus Reviews and a fizzy engrossing new voice by Entertainment Weekly. Her smart, funny contemporary romances include Too Good to Be Real and her award-winning debut series, Sometimes in Love. A former high school English and theater teacher, she now spends her days in her Star Wars office dreaming up neat cutes. She lives in Chicagoland with her husband, their two redheaded daughters, and one very large dog. Melanie, thank you so much for being here. Welcome. Hi. Thanks for having me. This is going to be fun. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, you know, I, I always... um. So it sort of like catches my eye when it says theater teacher. I My background is actually theater. I've had a few interviews now with um, writers who started somehow in theater. And I think that that's really kind of cool. And I'm wondering, what is it about theater that drew us all to novel writing and romance in particular? Oh, stories, characters. And it's funny because I'm actually doing a um, author panel on May 7th called from the stage to the from the yes from the stage to the page so it's all authors who have a background in performing arts oh my gosh I had no idea about that <laughs> when where what how uh, so it's a virtual event through the romance bookstore loves sweet arrow okay. and it is Friday May 7th at uh, 7 p.m so this will probably be already over by the time this podcast airs yeah but you can go you can go back and watch it on the Love Sweet Arrow YouTube channel. All of those events are there to watch anytime. Oh, that's super cool. I love that idea too. That's really great. I'm going to hop on and watch that myself because I'm very curious. So how did you make that transition? When did you realize that you wanted to become a writer? So I was a double major in college. I was a theater and English major. I, I love theater. And it was actually, it's funny because that theater degree, I think, was a lot of people kind of joke about a theater degree is like useless as a career. No, that actually is what really kind of was the icing on the cake for me. It is what made me much more um, hireable coming right out of college, um, high schools were, were able to get like kind of two for one with me. They got the high school English and theater teacher so I could do both. And um, so I was doing that. And then when I started a family, I kind of rolled things back and was not um, and chose not to keep teaching, but I kept directing theater 
for several years. And then when I had a second kid, I had to roll that back again. But instead of just not doing anything, I decided to open my own children's theater company. Oh my and- God, that's super fun. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was. It was a lot of fun. And this is Chicago. This is in Chicago because Chicago this is a is, big this, theater town. Yes. So this is – I live in the in the suburbs. So I first started by working for a, a very big um, theater company called Lake Forest Children's Theater Company. So mm-hmm. I was working for them first, and then um, I decided to create a smaller, less expensive, um, more local to where I was company Um and it was fun, and it was, but that I was spent a lot of time writing my own scripts, creating my own original material, and um, really enjoyed that aspect of it and the writing aspect of it because it's all dialogue yes. when you're writing a script. Yes. And you know, I kind of started playing around with writing. It was actually through my mom's group, like where we'd bring the babies together to play and we'd hang out and talk. It was through my mom's group that I decided to try Nano Nano Rimo mm-hmm. National Novel Writing Month. And that was when I wrote what would become a paranormal romance was my first finished book. <laughs> um, that kind of got me into being interested in, in in everything else. And it's it's kind of a convoluted way to how I found romance. I've always loved reading romance. I'm a huge romance um, fan of since I was too young to be reading it. Yeah. <laughs> I think we single, all picked it up too young. Single, yeah. single digits, not even double digits. I was, I was like eight or nine <laughs> um, and really fell in love with it much to the librarian at my local library's um, dismay. She gave me all kinds of stink eye when I would come up with stacks of Joanna Lindsay and Catherine Coulter. <laughs> she would be like, what is this? <laughs> um, so yeah, so then I just kind of, I found a local uh, romance writing chapter um, Chicago North Romance Writers of America, and it all the pieces kind of fell into place. Well, I want to sort of jump back a little bit and sort of go, okay, paranormal romance because you write contemporary. I do. And so what? What was like? What was that? okay? Why did you? Okay, so what drew you to paranormal for your first, your very first book? So everything kind of is like that first spark of an idea. And the first book that I wrote, The Spark of an Idea, was this man and woman sitting on a couch having a conversation about the possibility of the existence of ghosts. He Mm. firmly was in the yes, they exist. Actually, this is what I do for a living position. And she was in the you're full of it. Uh, (laughs) Um you know, even though she couldn't she can see ghosts and she has had like a like a you know, invisible friend, so to speak, since she was a child, which was actually a ghost. But that's, it, just, it was just the idea that came to me. So I wrote the story and I had a lot of interest. It actually placed first in some contests. Um, but then it just kind of, um, paranormal wasn't, you know, when you start talking to agents and, and they're very excited about your work, but then not, not this, um, not, it was like not the time the paranormal ever was was buying. Right. They were trying to look at what is what can I who can I sell this to? What can I do? So again, just with whatever idea came to me, um, I ended up this 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 girl is in a castle and she stumbles across a man hidden in the wall. He's wearing a kilt. She thinks she's walked into an episode of Outlander. <laughs> <laughs> And so I'm like, I thinking I'm writing another paranormal, but no, it was, it was not, it is not a paranormal and um, she's being punked <laughs> and that became um, Getting Hot with the Scott, my debut novel. That is a 
fun. Okay, why was he hiding in the? So he is. He runs a um a YouTube show uh, that is similar to Ashton Kutcher's Punked. Where okay. Yes, he, he plays these little little uh, games, a uh, little you know little pranks yeah. on various on celebrities and whatnot. And this happens to be. An idea they were looking to kind of go viral, get some more attention. And it's his sister who's like, we're putting you in a kilt and we're sticking you in the wall. And believe me, <laughs> people are going to love it. And he's like. <laughs> <laughs> Not wrong. So, <laughs> so this was your second book that got picked up for publication. Is that correct? Yeah, I never actually went on like actual submission with the first book. It was just like you go to conferences and you talk to agents and they ask you, you pitch it, you pitch your story. And so I was pitching the paranormal and I think I pitched to one or two agents and I got lots of, this is great. I love the writing. I just don't think I can sell this. What else do you have? So that was kind of like, okay. So after like the whole like sad trombone. <laughs> you're like, you know, oh no, everybody, I can't, can't do this. You know, I can never, you know, what are I? And and I, I, I know that's ridiculous because I hear the people talk about, you know, stories of you know, thirty, forty, fifty, sixty rejections and yeah. keep going. And after two, I was like, oh, this is the end. <laughs> um, but I did take that, you know, suggestion to heart and think about like, well, what else would I like to write and not purposely picking contemporary that's just the story that came next that right. popped into my head next right. and that you know that was that I was very lucky that everything happened pretty quickly after that from that book finaling in the golden heart contest that is no more um, to getting my agent to landing the three book deal where they decided to release three books in the course of three months <gasps> how long did you have to write them um, so that was St. Martin's Press and my editor when we had the, you know, the acquisition phone call and she talked about this. Book one was done but needed some significant edits right. because it was my first, you know, full book. That was it. So I had to go from writing that first book to writing the other two while editing the f- all three of them. That's how and, editing and writing at the same time it really yeah, is. It was, it was it was like diving into the deep end yeah. of the publication process. Like there was no like learning to swim. It was like just get in the pool. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> yeah. So all three books. It was in April, May, June of 2019. They released back to back to back. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty wild. That must have been a wild time around the release too. Like what was that like for you? It was it was kind of bonkers. It was kind of it was because like you didn't I didn't know what to compare it to. So it was just I talked about it like my year of spinning plates. You know mm-hmm. how you see those they have all those sticks with the plates on stands. You just keep keep them spinning. Right. So I just kept spinning, kept going from you know marketing to promo to writing articles to for blogs to doing proofreads to working on developmental edits for the next book. And then on top of it, I narrated all three of those books. So I was also in the recording studio. <laughs> at at various points to get those done as well. So it was it was a wild time. And there's of course, you know, you look back and I have regrets cuz definitely with the third book, I think it could have um benefited from a little bit more time um to cook. Okay. So to speak. That does make sense. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh some things that I really wanted to get in there that I didn't or that I wanted to finesse a little better that I didn't, but you know, that phrase it is what it is. Yeah. And I mean, there's, you know, if you wait for things to be perfect, they just never get done. Right. Well, that is true too. You know, and that was, that was kind of what held me back a little bit with 
the paranormal, you know, that like getting it perfect. And so just switching to something else, I think helped me kind of let go of what, what about this isn't working, that it's not landing or whatever. And it's still, I mean, I plan to go back to that book eventually. Really? Yeah. Oh, the paranormal. Yeah. I'm sorry. The, the, the paranormal. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. The paranormal. I won't. What well, I mean, of, I think every author kind of struggles with this idea of fixing things that are out that are already out, like taking it. But I, I don't think I will. It's better to. I think it's better to focus on putting out something new than to try and, and to fix try. something old. Yeah. Yeah. That's already out there. Like something you haven't published yet. You know, do whatever you want with. But yeah. Yeah. Well, I I actually rewrote um my first book and my Rockstar series because it was out with a small ebook publisher and I just wasn't happy with the editing. And Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, and so yeah. when the rights came back to me, I was just like, I'm overhauling this and I'm turning it into the series I always imagined. So, you know, so I think, you know, in that case, it kind of made sense because it was a significant overhaul. Oh, sure. And like do all the things. And that's where you, like you said, there, it was with another publisher so there were things that were outside your control and being able to do it the way you as long as we don't turn into like george lucas and redoing (laughs) the stuff (laughs) and now we're going to add these giant dragon lizards (laughs) because i can (laughs) exactly that's stop tinkering man leave it alone so okay so the paranormal romance because that was the very first one was that did you just like jump right into writing steamy scenes for that or were you a little bit more cautious with the oh no 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 that book has plenty of steam in it <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't sort of tiptoe into the wa- into the steamy water oh, I've been reading dope. these books remember yeah. dirty looks from the library <laughs> I was eight I was all about it no there are definitely yeah some steamy scenes in oh, so then okay I want to jump back up for a second then and we'll we'll jump back to the the, the steamy scenes in, in the paranormal but because you were picking up these steamy books when you were so young what was it that drew you to them so I read a lot of historical. I really loved. In fact, I think on, I only read historical for a long time. Really? Um, wow. And it was, I think, so I did a, I have a series on my Instagram um, where it's called The Summer of Sunfire. And there was a series of young adult romances back in the 80s, because I'm that old. Uh, <laughs> Me too. Um, that, Me too. <laughs> Generation X. Yes. Gen X. Yes. <laughs> Nothing but love. Yeah. <laughs> Um, they were called Sunfire, and they were historical YA romances. All the covers had um, the girl, and then there was like two love interests. Like it was always a love triangle. So then the two boys would be like on either side of her in the covers, and they were set in various historical periods of history in American history. Um, and it, so I loved those books, and I think that was kind of you know my um, gateway to the other historicals. I just really, I I, I just really enjoyed all of, you know, the various ideas of living in another time. And of course, being, you romanticize it and you, you know, it's because it's, it's just so different from your own experience. Right. So just loved it. Um, and I really love the TV show, The Young Writers, which was the Pony Express writers. I don't remember that and one. So, and so I, 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 Josh Brolin was in it and a couple other hot young men. Okay. I'm going to have to look that up. The Young Writers. <laughs> the Young Writers. That was the, that was the early 90s. Very early 90s was that TV show. But I read a lot of um, Wild West books also, like Wild West romances, which looking back now were incredibly problematic. But, you know, when I'm 10, 11, 12, I'm not thinking about any of that. I'm just like, sex on a horse. Is that possible? <laughs> Probably not. But anyway. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, thank you, Joanna Lindsay, for that one. <laughs> so, so, so now back to the paranormal with your very first sex scene. What was that like for you to write it? Were you were you nervous about it? Were, did you just like everything else dive right in? And you're like, I got this because we don't write yeah, explicit I, in theater. Uh, no, <laughs> not the theater I've done anyway. <laughs> Especially not children's theater. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen a few shows in Chicago where. <laughs> Um, um, I didn't really think about it. I just did it. Like it's, I'm, I'm a very character driven writer. Um, so everything that I write, it really comes from what the characters are doing and if they're doing it, then it's on the page. <laughs> it's, it's like literally doing it. So, um, I really didn't think too much about it. Uh, you know, wasn't, it wasn't, it's not really necessarily, I know a lot of authors will talk about it being awkward and I don't really feel like writing it, I don't feel it's awkward to write. Um, it's just, uh, I don't, I guess because like, I don't think about like a lot of people think about their parents reading this. I really don't think about that. Right. Uh, I think more about my kids reading. It. <laughs> 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 I told, I told my daughter, um, you cannot read this book when I, when I got, got the publishing contract, I said, you cannot read this until you turn 16. And then my book came out. Um, so she was born in April of 2003. My first book came out in April of 2019. So do the math. <laughs> she turned 16. So did she read it? Um, she read parts of it. Right. And it's just, it's, you know, it's your mom. And I've always been very, and I think part of it was because of all those dirty looks from the librarian when I was a kid. I've always been very open with her about read whatever you yeah. want. You know, yeah. whatever you want to read, go for it. There's no shame. Yeah, I, I've never censored, but we are, my kid is about, they're about the same age and I've never censored. I mean, she was like three and we were like watching Lord of the Rings and she's like, yeah. You know, I mean, she, she's like, we've always tended towards more violence in our movies, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, well, that's actually something that I've always kind of found annoying. It's like, especially in America, yeah. like, you know, everyone is so prudish when it comes to sex on the screen, but all the violence. Yeah. So. Yeah. Everybody is okay with violence. But the sex, everybody gets a little, ner- you know, a little nervous. They get really freaked out about it. I would be much, I would prefer to see more sex and less violence. Yes. But that's just me. Yes. Yes. So, so yeah, so no problems. No problems writing it. Um, just uh, my, you know, my thing is sometimes, especially with that first book, I think I might have gone a little overboard with the sexy time. So to making sure that it fits mm. the story that they're, you know, there to move the story forward to develop you know there has to be some reason for it to be on the page besides just having fun yeah you know it's funny that that sort of I always feel bad because I feel like I don't put enough of the steamy bits in my books but you know like I'm always like oh I think there are only three sex scenes and maybe there should be more and my last book came back from the copy editor and she's like I love writing your sex scenes and there were so many in this book so keep writing them but it's hot like <laughs> you know and you're, so I'm like oh maybe I should be putting more in these books But at the same time, I'm like, it doesn't really serve the story to have more sex scenes. Yeah, it depends on the story. So for my first book, um, it was funny because it was my agent who was actually not very editorial. She's pretty hands off. I like getting her critiques back because they're very much almost like a critique from a reader versus an editor. That's helpful. Yeah. But her, but with the first one, she's like, "You need one more. They need, they need one more. You need one more sex scene." I'm like, "What?" And I mean, how did she determine that, though? I mean, she did not, I think, I, you know, she felt, really felt that they needed, like, one more on the page. I was like, okay, so a very hot sex in the shower scene occurred. 
<laughs> at the at near the end of the book. But that was that was interesting because that was like one of the only times where I was like, all right, I have to plug an extra one in for this new book that's coming out this summer. Too good to be real. It's more straight up romantic comedy, and it was definitely less sex on the page. There's only one full full on scene there's a couple other smaller scenes with other stuff happening but like only one like really and that was because from before like you said three i think i have like three or four i haven't actually ever gone and counted um so it was the least amount of sex on the page in a story but it fit this book it fit the way this book works and the next romantic comedy that i'm writing the follow-up to this book it's the same there's really only one full scene on the page and it's not on purpose i didn't plot it that way i didn't say this only will happen once it just fits the story that that's how it worked so do you enjoy writing them i do okay Okay. I will own it. Yeah, I think it's fun. And I've had a lot of fun with this current book that I'm working on. Um, It's called Too Wrong to be Right, because these are two characters that it is. um, I used the expression comedy of errors with you earlier when we were dealing with some stuff. But (laughs) these two characters are a comedy of errors. Every time they get into any kind of physical moment, something ridiculous goes wrong. So I've had so much fun. Oh, oh, that sounds like so much fun. (laughs) What so much? Um, I mean, well, I mean, it's a probably I would sex in a papasan chair, probably a bad idea. Yeah. Mm. So we have we have some we have some you know, and it's a romantic comedy, so things going so things being silly is, you know, and I think I think sex I think funny in sex is good, like silly things happening, being able to laugh. I think that's incredibly sexy. Yes, I, I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. So I know that um, this is going to be a little bit of a divergence because um, we might get a little serious, but um, you had uh, you were featured in a Guardian article um, that was talking about uh, – I think it was, I'm trying to, uh, what was it? This was back in 2019 when there was some new laws that were coming out and right. there was a lot of angst and concern about rights over women's bodies. Right. And it was sort of talking about why why don't more romance writers um, write in terminated pregnancies uh, for their main characters? And you had a character in your book that had terminated a pregnancy Obviously not with the hero. I, I guess this happened before they met, correct? Um, no, actually. Oh. So I really went all the way. You did. Like, like there. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. I, yeah. So so I don't. There is this major taboo, and I think that was in the name of the Guardian article was about it being a romance taboo. Like this is just not done, and that's just not the real world, and that's not the that I mean. And everyone, I everyone has their own beliefs. Everyone has to do what's right for them. But I really feel like what's right for that person and it was frustrating for me to read romance novels that would deal with pregnancies and you know I you know content warning if this is something that is difficult to listen to I will be talking about you know losing a pregnancy so you know that they would handle it in such a way where for the plot for the characters to have this heroine be pregnant was just not going to work but they would take care of it in some very easy like I won't say easy but like neat and tidy way that that somehow the baby was lost and the heroine never had to make an actual decision regarding what she was going to do about this pregnancy and I was frustrated by that because I feel like it swept all of that conflict under the rug and ignored it mm-hmm. 
and, you know, these choices and how they affect your life. So I, again, I don't do these things on purpose. And when I was writing, it's the third book in the Sometimes in Love series, Once Upon a Bad Boy. And it's a second chance romance. So these are two people who were together when they were uh, kids. They grew up. Um, she's very, <clears throat> she's very rich, and she and uh, her family owns this horse farm. And his family uh, is the family that lives on the farm and kind of um, runs everything, uh, the horses and whatnot. So, so they have kind of this, you know, secret relationship when they're children, um, all the way through their teenage years, and um, then things um, go sideways. Okay. Uh, right around the time that she graduates high school. Uh, but yeah, so there was there was a pregnancy in there. And, um, you know, you got to read the book to find out all the reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Behind all of that, he did not know. Um, so there's there are a lot of – but there's also reasons for that. So, right. you know, if these were choices that she made. Um, and, it, yeah, so that book had not – was not out yet. It was coming out. And um, – you know, there's like, why doesn't this exist? I'm like, well, actually, I I, I wrote it because I, I was kind of frustrated that it didn't exist. And that's so when, so here's what happened. So when that storyline kind of came into my head, like when I was writing the book and this was revealed like to my brain, I was like, uh-oh, like this is not done. You don't write this in yeah. romance. So I actually emailed my editor and I told her um, my heroine um, had terminated a pregnancy you know, as a teenager, um, can are we are we good? Are you good with me including this? And it's the heroes, the heroes. It was the heroes' baby, um, and she was like, "Yeah, one hundred She was one hundred percent behind me. There was not even a hesitation about it. And so that was. I was very grateful to have that support because honestly, I'm not sure. Being because I'm still, you're talking about newbie author. My first right. book, not yet, because they're all coming out together. If she had pushed back, I don't know. I don't know how strong I would have been. Um, you know, because you second guess yourself so much to begin with if your editor is saying, no, no, no. <laughs> it's a tricky, I mean, it's a tricky yeah. tightrope, right? Because on the one hand, you know, we writers have, you know, we're, we're people, you know, we have our own beliefs um, and we have our own belief systems and our own, I guess, you know, values. Um, but we, you know, I, I recognize not everybody's values are my values and I don't, so I never want to insert anything, but at the same time, I think that, you know, it does do a disservice to the genre to not be, or, or not show more realistic situations. And I think, you know, and romance as a genre has always been, frankly, uniquely feminist. Um, well, right. And there's, yeah. And that whole sense, like, like I, and I definitely had readers who were very upset yeah. and very angry over that in plot point. And I'm sure I lost some readers. Um, but I wasn't doing – I'm not – I wasn't like getting on a soapbox. Right. It was more of a – like you said, like it, it had a change from being this is just not done to being like this is something that exists. And I'm not the only author that did it. There are plenty of others who have done it. Um but it, but it's, it was definitely still something that's kind of whispered about and not talked about, and definitely not something that your heroine um, has had happen. So it, it, that it, not that like every single romance has to have this, or that's that this is the only way to tell the story, but that it should be allowed to be an option in your story. Yeah, I mean, and I think honestly, I think it's really brave that you did it. I don't know that I would. I just, you know, as much as you know. As much as I believe I believe in it, I don't know that I would have the guts to. 
It was, I mean, that, that was the thing is like, so that was the part that I was, when I sent my editor the note, I, I was definitely concerned. But the fact that I had her support on the publisher's support, that really helped. So Yeah. And it almost feels like the the last big taboo, you know, I, <laughs> I, I, I in a way, because I, it's, I do um, another podcast with just for fun with a, my, one of my best friends and it's all about Melrose Place. And, um, talk about Gen X, right? (laughs) (laughs) I I missed that one. I think I was drowning in like too many hours of college when that was popular. (laughs) So, so I, I, so going back and rewatching this, this sort of like really seminal soap of the nineties, nighttime soap, um, it's really interesting. I had forgotten how many pregnancy storylines there were. And for every pregnancy storyline, the the character always like either birthed the baby or lost the baby to miscarriage. I think there was one mm-hmm. time there was a conversation about do we terminate, do we not terminate, but it was never followed through. Yeah, that's so frustrating. So Jane the Virgin, I think, did a good job with this, with the, um, they, you know, because they had both sides. They had Jane who had this bizarre, wild, you know, immaculate conception, right. so to speak, um, who did decide that she wanted to keep the baby to, despite the circumstances. And then her mom, who had a accidental pregnancy, who it was like, no, this is completely wrong for my life, for where I am at in my life. And it was just this, that was what happened. So I liked it, it, that they showed that in such a... Like this is an issue of women's health. Like right. this is an issue of a woman's choice, and kind of didn't make it to any bigger or more difficult than that. Right, right. And the the and I I also think that it's important to show these are not bad people. Yeah. <laughs> well, right, but they have their reasons. And and in, in in Once Upon a Bad Boy, the heroine's name she's Sadie. Her name is Sadie. I mean, she she struggles with it. Like she, it's not like a, a huzzah, I've done this, you know, yeah. it, it, it was definitely a difficult choice and a choice that she um, carries feelings for, but not regrets. Right. Right. Um, so anyway, I, I just wanted to touch on that um, because I thought that it was really interesting that you, that you did that. And, and, you know, that article was absolutely fascinating. Um, I highly recommend everybody, everybody take a look at it. Um, but I now I do want to talk about something a little bit more fun, which is your, the fact that you <laughs> narrate your own audiobooks. <laughs> uh, well, I, I so yes, I do. I did narrate the Sometimes in Love series. It was so I started narrating audiobooks by accident. Um, it was one of those things where I was at a conference, and speaking of steamy scenes, we had um, something we called Hot Night, which was where authors could bring a steamy scene to a group. And we would all kind of sit around and read them out loud and critique them. Okay. And a lot of people are very nervous about not you know not only writing sex scenes, but very nervous about reading sex scenes out loud to a group of people. <laughs> so me being me, I'm like, anyone nervous about reading their scene out loud? I'll read it for you. <laughs> like I had no problem <laughs> with it. So, <laughs> so I was reading. Um, several people took me up on the offer. <laughs> So I was reading a couple other people's sex scenes out loud for them at this group meeting. And then afterwards, a couple of people came up to me and they're like, you're really good at that. <laughs> I was like, okay. They're like, you should, you should do this. I'm like, are you talking like what, phone sex? Like what exactly are we talking about here? And they said, no, you should try reading, doing audiobooks. So I was like, huh. Hmm. You know, I had a theater background. So I got a microphone and I recorded a sample 
of a friend's book and put it up on ACX, the auto yes. audio creation exchange. Yeah. yeah. I put it up on there and kind of forgot about it. Like this was when I was still drafting, you know, a book. I was I still I was actually writing Hot Scott at the time. Um, and then I think it was almost a year later that I got an email asking um, from an author asking if they could hire me. And I had a, like, wow, completely, I had completely forgotten that sample was sitting up there. <laughs> um, but yeah, she said, I love your voice and I would love for you to to do my book for me. And then um, she actually hired me for three or four other projects after that. And what happens on ACX is when you put um, when something goes up. Um, it becomes like the first thing on this on the there's like a place where authors can go to hire hire uh, producers or narrators, right. and so when you put a sample up, it, it's the first thing that pops up, and then it slowly goes you know goes to the bottom of the list. But so when I every time I uploaded one of the books that I recorded for her, I put up a sample, which would then put my sample at the top of the page at the time, and then I started getting hired. It was very organic, right. so I was, and then other authors would find me, and so I I. I and I had to kind of do one project at a time because I was writing. I was, you know, a mom. I was trying to find the quiet time in my house right. to record. So I kind of had, I think I had five or six books under my belt when I signed my own contract <clears throat> for for my, um, my Sometimes in Love series. And what my agent did was I really wanted to keep the audio rights. I had very clear ideas of what I wanted for my audio books. Um, I want a dual narration. I want to, you know, it's all these ideas. Um, but Macmillan was part of their, it's like audio, they get audio rights or they just don't sign the contract, mm, period. Okay. So I could not keep my audio rights. But what they did do, or my agent was able to get them to do, was to agree to give me some um, kind of uh, input, some, uh, some, some artistic input, and to also... <clears throat> had the option to narrate the books if I chose, like, or to be considered for narration, not to get them, but to be considered for narration if that was something I wanted to do. So when the time came for the audiobooks to be produced, um, the uh, engineer, the producer from Macmillan, sent me an email and he's like, Well, are you interested? And I'm like, I'm not sure. <laughs> like, this is a lot. I'm like, How about I send you some samples and you tell me what you think? So I recorded some samples from the books and I sent them over to him and he's like, yeah, I think, I think definitely. And it, what was kind of cool was I was able to get paid from Macmillan for narrating my own books separately from my author. Uh, um, stuff. That is so that really was, cool. It, it was, kind of, it, was that weird that like, I don't know, I struggle, like I'm fine reading other people's snippets of their scenes, but I, 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 yes, I hate yes. hearing my, like, it. I don't want to, I, I, like, I have an audiobook I need to listen to, to listen for errors. And I am dragging my feet because I don't yeah. like listening to my it writing. It was very weird. So like you said, very easy to narrate someone else's work. It was a much different situation to narrate my own work. Um, it was, it was not what I, yeah. And when I was narrating, when I was narrating for other people, I have my own little mini home studio. Um, it's nothing fancy, but it's here in my house and I do everything myself. Um, for this, they hired um, a, a producer who is local to me and I went to his studio. Um, so it was me in the little sound booth and just this guy actually, and he's, <laughs> he's more, he, he does, he did a, he does a ton of work for a pretty well-known historical author. Um, but he, he's mostly a sound guy, like music, rock bands and stuff. Like he had like these other, like there's like two other studios that were there that had like all these guitars and drums in it. So that, so audiobooks isn't really his main thing. Right. So 
it wasn't like like it wasn't something that he was a hundred percent used to. So. <laughs> Dave, were you like I can't look at him while I'm doing this, like, especially right, so, you're, bits, so like... you're in the so you're, you're in the room, and then there's this like the the glass screen or whatever it is, and then he's on the other side with all his soundboards, and definitely no eye contact being made during the time. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> And it was like, I didn't think I, I didn't think I was going to be nervous about it. And for the most part, I wasn't. But at the same time, it's like, it's not just that I'm reading these sex scenes out loud. It's that I'm reading sex scenes that he knows that I wrote. <laughs> yeah. And you have to, I mean, you have to act, you you have to put some sort of, like, you, you're not reading them dryly. Like, you're having... <laughs> well, I, I'm not like having an orgasm in the booth, right, but, but I'm definitely yeah. going to add a little bit of oomph yeah. to it. So the third book, Once Upon a Bad Boy, and it was funny because then, because re- revisiting these books after having written them by reading them out loud, there, this book I call it The Sex Sandwich because there is like the middle of this book is these, the two of them reconnecting because it's second chance and there's a lot of time. <laughs> Um, a lot of time having sex. <laughs> that was the that was the book where I was kind of like, whoo, okay, like I was getting embarrassed. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's that one is a little steamier as far as um, they're a little more adventurous than the other two books. And so at one point, at one point, he excused himself, and I was like, oh my god, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> He took a break, and I'm like, it can't be. I am. I'm not going to think about it. It cannot be because. <laughs> we, no, we were both completely professional. We were totally oh, professional, course, and even and even even like you know, we're like we're we're at least acknowledging like okay, this isn't 100 percent awkward, but we are professionals. Mm. Like. It was, but yeah, it was, it was an experience. Um, for this next, the next books, I did not want to narrate. I wanted something different, and. Um, for the romantic comedies that are coming out, and um, luckily, um, they did. I, I did get dual narration this time, okay. so it is uh, of the because the book is broken down into male and female POV, the hero and heroine, and it is a male narrator and a female narrator. So, oh, that's super fun. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to hear it, but I will probably be a nervous wreck listening to someone else read my words. I'm sure <laughs> that's not how you're supposed to say it. Yeah, <laughs> that's the hardest that's the part. That really is because I'm yeah, like, that's not how I said it in my head. Exactly. <laughs> that was so when they offered when Macmillan said, "Yeah, we think you should do your own books." It was like I was too much of an opportunity to turn down. Like yeah. if whatever mistakes were made, whatever you know, things didn't go right. That's on me. But at least I got the opportunity to do that. And, you know, if I decide to continue this series on my own, I can go ahead and narrate those books on my own because I started it. Um, but yeah, so I'm excited to, I'm excited and nervous to hear the, the audio for the next book. Um, and, and it's also like, but that's what happens once you're finished with a book, you release it into the world. It becomes, you know, it's not your book anymore, as they say. So it will be interesting to hear someone else's take on my words. So, so to, to, <laughs> to go back to the actual writing. Um, oh, that's fascinating. I can't believe you, you, re- I mean, I know so many nonfiction editors, uh, not writers, not, not editors, writers right. do their mm-hmm. own. I've, ne- I've actually don't, you're the first fiction editor that I've heard of that narrates. Well, it was, much. so my agent had not, when I talked to her about it, I'm like, this is what we're thinking of doing. And she was very gracious because what Macmillan paid me for the audiobook work she didn't you know demand a cut of she was that that was completely cool she understood it was something I was doing separately as an artist but I asked her first you know like you know are we good with this she's like I've never had she had never had 
in a situation um, like that. But there were other, she's, so this is the night agency and she had had other agents in the agency do it. So she went oh. and actually talked to them okay. to kind of get their take on how it worked and, and what to watch for. Um, so she came back at least armed with some advice and information and yeah, she's like, go for it. So I'm like, okay. That's cool. <laughs> okay. So I'm curious. Well, first of all, I'm very curious. Are you a pantser or a plotter? Oh my goodness. I'm a pantser much to my detriment lately. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> so do you, do you have a process for writing your steamy scene or is it all the same? Like whatever you're writing, you're just, it's, it's all, it doesn't, it doesn't change. I don't, I don't have a set process. No. So like I said, it's very character driven. So it, it's like whatever shows up, it, whatever the characters show up doing in my brain that day. Um, especially with quarantine, um, it's been more difficult because uh, I am home with my husband and two children 24-7 all the time. <laughs> we love that. <laughs> I do. I do. Um, but I was writing something a, a couple weeks ago. I was working on a scene one morning, a sexier scene one morning, and it was like just, you know, feeding the dog and the dog barking and yelling about the dog barking and then someone was needing this thing. It was like all this like, you know, stuff of real life happening around me and I'm trying to write it. It was next to impossible to to kind of stay in that mental headspace to write the steamy scene. Yeah. So I'm not someone who has to like light candles and play music. Like I can write without all of that around me, but it was definitely I kept getting pulled out of of that mental headspace. Yeah. When distractions start, it's like all bets are off. Like I usually have my writing to my very set writing time in the morning. This is when you know this is when I write. And this morning it was like the I had some day job creep, so I was just like, forget it. I'm done. Like I'm done. I'm not going to be able to do it. Yeah. It, yeah. Which sucks. So. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> okay. So before we dive into your sex scene, I'm curious to you, what do you think makes a sex scene good? Again, I think this comes from my complete connection to characters. I, th I think sex scenes that reveal something about the characters to each other, as well as to the audience, um, can really make a great sex scene. So I know they say it's supposed to advance the plot or it's supposed to – it's supposed to like – something changes within the character. For me, it doesn't, nothing big has to actually happen, but if something about a person is revealed mm. in those moments to each other, to the characters themselves on the page, and then obviously also to the reader who's experiencing this with them, I really, I, that's what I love to see. That's what, that's what kind of like gives me those good book vibes, you know, like, oh, like to see this other piece of this person kind of revealed. And that's what often, you know, what sex does is very connect, you know, connection, the per how it gets personal. Right, right. So, yeah. Okay, cool. Okay, so I'm going to be reading excerpts from Smitten by the Brit. Can you set this scene up for us? I can. So Smitten by the Brit is the second book in the Sometimes in Love series, and the heroine, Bonnie, is best friends with the heroine, Cassie, of the first book. So they were all on this um, whirlwind uh, European vacation together, which sounds even more amazing right now. Yeah. <laughs> the travel has been. Has been. Um, so they, so, you know, her, her friend Cassie had met um, her Scott in Scotland, and then they were in, uh, they go to England next. And the Scots' best friend happens to be this Brit named Theo. And so she meets Theo in London and is very attracted to him, but she's actually engaged to be married to, um, back home. And so she's like, nope, 
no thank you uh, <laughs> i will i will admire you from afar sir <laughs> but then obviously because this is a romance novel in her book things go awry with her um her fiance and who should happen to be in chicago but theo and so he's staying there for a couple he's staying there for a week or so so he's at the hotel he's at a hotel and they are reconnecting so the scene the scene that you're go- that i sent you um they're at the same hotel and he's basically told her like he is up for you know if she needs somebody to help her get over her fiance he is there for her he's the man <laughs> for the job <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's kind of just laid it out there and she's like, oh, I can't. There's no way I, I can't do this. And he's like, you know, the offer's there. You know where my room is, you know, you know, and I'm uh, I'm there waiting. And so she, of course, hems and haws and then decides, you know what? I'm doing this. You know, she's very Shakespearean. So she's like, screw your courage to the sticking place. <laughs> and she's like, yeah. So she, so she knocks on his door and she goes in. And so she's, um, yeah, she's like, I'm going to go for this. Okay. All right. So I've got uh, listeners be warned. I've got some um, very actually long excerpts for this one. Sometimes like sometimes they're like little short snippets. But for for this, this was hard to pick out. And um, so bear with me because we're, we're gonna, we're really gonna dig deep into this one. <clears throat> okay, here we go. How many Great Lakes are there? He asked his breath warm on her skin. Five, she croaked, watching as he held her hand out and spread her fingers apart. Lake Michigan is one, he said, wriggling her, wiggling her pinky. Remind me what the others are. Lake Ontario, that one was easy. Her grandfather owned a fishing cottage very near the Canadian side of the lake, and she'd spent many childhood summers visiting him there, pretending she was Anne on Prince Edward Island. He pressed her thumb to his lips. That's two, he said, his mouth moving beneath her thumb. Then there's Lake Erie, she continued, while he guided her thumb across the soft curve of his mouth. Three, he murmured, nibbling on her index finger. Uh, Bonnie paused, swallowing hard as his teeth grazed her skin. And Lake Huron, four, Theo said, before dipping his head to lick her middle finger. The sensation tickled, but rather than make her laugh, it made her nipples tighten and she groaned. His smile was wicked. Confident, pleased. That leaves one more. What's it called? Hmm, she asked, her brain feeling like a balloon detached from her body and floating somewhere overhead. The last great lake, he reminded her, his voice a gentle tease as he raised her ring finger to his mouth, eyes on her face. Her eyes were as blue as any lake and just as beautiful, the swirl of indigo around his pupils expanding as he continued to stare down at her. Uh, she stammered, her brain, her brain balloon floating farther away over the wide expanse of the night-shadowed lake beyond the window. Theo parted his lips and took her finger into his mouth. He began to suck on the tip, his tongue stroking up and down. This didn't tickle, not at all. And if her brain was floating away, her body was grounded, tied hard and fast to the point of contact between them. It was as if a wire had been strung from her fingertip to her core, creating a direct line of sensation. With each wet, hot tug on her finger, an answering pulse came from deep inside her. Bonnie squeezed her eyes shut. Michigan... She muttered silently, struggling to focus as he increased his tempo. Ontario, Erie, Huron. He sucked harder, and the pulsing intensified within her. Suddenly, he bit down, and she gasped, superior. Okay, this was perfection. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Superior. I need a breath. Superior. 
I absolutely loved that you focused on the fingers. I mean, you know, not necessarily a very erogenous, like it's, a, it, it can yeah. be an erogenous zone, but it's not a sexy part of the body, you know? Yeah. And it, I was like, <laughs> wait, what? you know, and it was so playful, but it was so hot at the same time. I just loved the way that you worked this. It was very cool. Yeah, he's, I mean, he, he, she's, she's so nervous. Like, so he, he takes his time with her and it is like this kind of slow, yeah, build. And, uh, it is very funny, the two of them together. <laughs> she's getting so flustered. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this actually reminded me, so I took a course, um, during the pandemic on, uh, to become a intimacy, a sex and intimacy, intimacy coach. Um, oh, cool. and, yeah. So it was kind of like fascinating to like, break, you know, take this course. Um, I'm not becoming certified by the way. I'm just, I just took the course. Um, to, <laughs> and like to learn about like all these different things. And one thing that they, uh, we had a, a section on was about how you don't necessarily need a penis or a vagina to orgasm. So the idea was, you know, specifically, let's say you're paralyzed or, you know, you, or something like that, like you can actually turn other parts of your body into erogenous zones. And this is like completely what it made me like think about. Like I was like, <laughs> and that's oh. hilarious because later Theo does make her orgasm just by doing some great stuff to her boobs. Yeah. <laughs> But this is what it totally reminded me of. And I was like, yes, okay, right there. That's where that's what's going on. I thought that this was really, really smart and really, really um, a, a really wonderful way to sort of ease them into um, having sex. I thought that was excellent. Mm -hmm. So well done. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That was, a, that was a fun one to write because you know, it was something that just was so visible in my head. They're standing in this hotel room overlooking Lake Michigan you know, kind of awkwardly skirting around this idea of what she's there for. <laughs> right. Right. And so he kind of, he kind of takes control, but in a very delicate way. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely not overpowering. And I, I just thought that it was absolutely beautiful. And I loved that that was the way to sort of, you know, start the scene and it starts and it's very slow, you know, even in slow burns, you sort, you sort of see when they get to the sex, it becomes very feral. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? And, and you, and you know, so you were like waiting and waiting and waiting and inching into it. But then all of a sudden when they do get to that point, it's like, ba-boom. And th uh -huh. this, I love that it was still sort of like just really easing the reader and the characters into the moment. Um, so the next bit is, well, the next bit is actually a short bit. We've gone a little bit of a ways. So, okay. This was, this was super fun. So they've, so now he's basically got her, her panties off at this point, uh, where we are in the <laughs> slowly worked from the fingers down to, to <laughs> well, the worked from the fingers down to the panties. So we have moved. Um, this is a very short bit that I absolutely loved. She schools her face and stared down at him, tried to pretend she wasn't basically naked below the waist. And he had a bird's eye view of the landscape. Speaking of landscape, when was the last time she trimmed things down, up down, trimmed things up down there? Why are you even thinking about that right now? I <laughs> howled when I read this. I absolutely howled because it was so real. And you know, it's so because I when I think when I'm writing my my sex scenes, this is, I thought about this, and I'm like, well, I guess they've waxed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I've never actually put it in. And I thought that this was a brilliant way to throw it in there. And, you know, and it also does, 
express like the nervousness and the prep- trepidation and the fear and the, oh my God, is, is this, you know, am I, am I doing this right? Am I sexy enough? You know, all of those things that cross your mind when you're, mm-hmm. when you're about to embark in, in a physical relationship with somebody, you know, particularly that right. you haven't done before. That you haven't done before. Yeah. yeah. And this is, that's, a, it's, it's a, yeah. And so uh, Bonnie is someone who the only guy she's been with was her, her now ex-fiance. Yeah. So this is, this is a lot for her and uh, not something she's really thought about too, too much and and all of a sudden yeah you think you know you don't want to be thinking those things you want your head to be right in the moment but it's not it's like oh my god like how does this look and and what is going on down here <laughs> like, like what is he seeing <laughs> yeah is this okay is it yeah it's i i just i absolutely loved it i was like that's brilliant that's really brilliant oh, it makes my day anytime someone tells me something i wrote makes them laugh so good <laughs> <laughs> okay a couple paragraphs down we're back at it with these two he bent his head again, running his tongue along her center while his thumb slid to the outside of her fold, stroking up and down. She moaned as a glimmer of pleasure flitted through her, light and quick, like stone skipping across the glassy surface of a lake. That's right, love, he responded instantly, thumb spreading her open as his tongue dipped inside. Christ, you're sweet. Oh, God. Oh, God. She bit down and breathed through her nose, slow and deep, in and out, in and out. The urge to laugh had completely abandoned her. What he was doing now wasn't tickling her. It was making her restless, achy, needy. Her thighs trembled and she widened her stance, opening herself, opening herself to him even more. A low growl erupted from his throat. It was so unexpected, so masculine and feral and hot. It made her instantly wet. He growled again deeper in his chest this time and Bonnie felt it vibrate all through her. Her knees buckled and in a flash she was flat on her back, bare ass scraping against the hotel carpet. Theo was on her in a heartbeat, crouching over her on all fours. His hair was must, falling in his face, and eyes dark as, as and the eyes dark as midnight sea. Gone was the polite British gentleman who wouldn't start a meal before she did. In his place was this fierce and hungry animal. He ducked his head, lapping at her. He devoured her. There was no other word for it. Sucking and biting and thrusting his tongue inside of her again and again until she was clenching her fingers in his hair, rocking her hips back and forth. Faster, harder, more. Please, more, more. Oh, she gasped as the ripples of pleasure became a tidal wave, sensation rolling through her. He flipped her onto her stomach and pushed forward, pressing against her, hot and hard and oh! Beneath the thin fabric of his pants, the thick head of his erection rubbed between her legs. She could feel him. There! Oh my god. (laughs) She's so innocent. I know. She's like, oh. <laughs> oh. And like Anna Green Gables, like coming alive. <laughs> I mean, this whole thing was just so hot. We still haven't gotten to the deed yet. But although, I mean, you'll see, I actually mostly highlighted this because, you know, I loved the writing and I loved the pacing. Um, but it's also a really great juxtaposition to what happens at the end, which I have yes. also highlighted. So I'm going to jump into that now. And this is where we've now changed perspectives. Right. So we flipped to Theo's POV. Yeah. So now we're in, um, we're, we're in Theo's POV. My dimples make you dizzy. She shook her head and a lock of hair fell across her face. It's my knees. When you smile at me, the backs of my knees get all prickly and my legs turn to water. How extraordinary, he brushed the curl aside. And how long have you been suffering from this affliction? Since the first time I saw you, she confessed, eyes piercing his, pulling him into their green, blue-green depths. 
The earth's breath caught in his chest, his lungs stalling. He felt, to borrow, borrow Bonnie's description, all prickly. When he was able to breathe again, he realized she was crying. Tears crept from the corners of her eyes. He wiped thumb across her cheek. What's wrong? Am I a bad person? Sorry? I was engaged when I met you. And? And, she sniffled, and I couldn't stop thinking about you. I had, she dropped her gaze, tear, her gaze, tear-thickened auburn lashes, hiding her eyes. Dreams about you. You did. Now this was getting interesting. He wondered if her dreams about him were as vivid as his dreams about her. She nodded. I, um, she rubbed her tear-stained cheek against the pillow. I couldn't stop having thoughts about you. Indeed, his heart began to pound. I kept thinking about you, and I was so guilty and ashamed. Here I was, lusting after a stranger while my fiancé waited for me back home. And we both know what he was doing, Theo growled. Yeah, a bitter laugh escaped her. But that doesn't make it okay. My grandpa had a saying, two wrongs don't make a right. And if I had followed through on my feelings for you last summer, if I had been unfaithful to Gabe, the fact that he'd been unfaithful to me wouldn't balance the scales. It wouldn't justify my own infidelity. Theo tucked a finger under her chin, forcing her to meet his eyes. But you're not with Gabe anymore, and you were faithful to him, even if the cheating arsehole didn't deserve it. Bonnie shook her head. I'm sorry for bringing this up. I don't even know why I did. I promised myself I wouldn't dwell on the past. It's okay. He brushed more curls away from her face. Sometimes you need to work through feelings before you can let them go. He bent his head and said low in her, in her ear, if you don't mind, I'd like to hear a bit more about the, these lustful thoughts you were having. She laughed, the tension in her easing, her body relaxing against him. She looked so guilty, so turn, torn up, he decided not to press her. Instead, he brushed his lips across her forehead. You're not a bad person. Attraction happens. I don't think you can control it, but you can control what you do about it, and you did. Unlike that rap bastard ex-fiancé of yours, the words lay unspoken between them. But by the storm clouds chasing across her face, he knew they'd both been thinking the same thing. Theo kissed her on the forehead again, then urged her to roll to her other side. He curled his body around hers, and though his cock protested, it knew better than to argue. His chivalrous side had reared its head. She wasn't ready. Not yet. He thought he was willing to have her on any terms, take what she offered, even if it was just her body. Now he knew that wasn't true, had likely never been true. Apparently his moral fiber wasn't as paper thin as he thought. She snuggled against him, the soft sound of her breath going slow, growing slow and deep. Before he began to drift off himself, Theo slid his hand beneath the covers, fingers trailing over the lush curve of her hip. He reached between them and gave her bum a squeeze. She shifted in his grip, a sleepy chuckle drifting over her shoulder. Perv, she muttered. Oh. <laughs> Theo is a butt man. Oh, so it's like important to know that this sex scene ends with absolutely no sex between them, with except except for oral. I did. I sent you a sex scene where they don't actually have. Where sex. they don't actually. I mean, they have oral sex. I, I, you know, she does have an orgasm, correct? Or did she come close? Um, she, she, no, she, she did. She yeah. did on the, on the carpet. Oh yes. Yeah. Um, so, but I like it completely. Like, whoa, no sex, but so intimate all the feels particularly at this at this very last end and I you know I thought oh my god because you know leading up to this things were getting really hot between them and I thought that they were gonna have like some serious doggy style crazy <laughs> like off the wall they were on the carpet they were like you know I was just like whoa this is getting like wild monkey sex and then it just pulled back completely and it turned into a beautiful tender moment between the two of them 
Um, I, how did you feel about this when you were, did you feel like, oh, are the readers going to feel cheated or like, did you have second doubt? Did you have any like second thought? Um, I don't, so I don't know if I thought about, this was still so early in my writing that I didn't, I didn't, the reader didn't intrude as much mm-hmm. as it may now. Like I really didn't think about reader expectations or, um, it was very much again about the characters. And while writing this scene, um, I don't know if I, I don't know if I intended to take it all the way, but as I was writing it, it just kind of flowed to this place where she pulled back and he respected that. Yeah. And that's what came on the page. Yeah. I, you know, he saw, he saw it, he yeah. saw it in her, he felt it in her and Theo is Theo and he's just not, he's just not going to do it. And it's so funny because when we talk about steamy moments in writing, and we, or, you know, romance books, and we talk about even, you know, steamy scenes and intimate scenes, I think that sort of knee jerk is that it's got to be about sex or it is going to be, or, or it's going to be explicit sex. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that sometimes there are these moments that are very hot and very beautiful and very intimate, but don't actually lead to the deed, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that it's important to have those. Yeah, there. it's, it's, a, it's um, definitely can explore the characterization in there and building that relationship and intimate, I mean, sex is a form of intimacy. Yes. So maybe, you know, in the end where what we're really talking about here is intimacy, in all its forms. Yes, absolutely. And I think that that kind of often gets forgotten about when we do talk about intimacy. Intimacy doesn't have to be sex. That's such a good point because I, I feel like maybe that is the heart of why. So I, I think everyone who writes sex scenes will get these reviews of readers who are um, completely disgusted by the sex on the page. Um, you know, like, like, oh, I cannot believe like, oh, it's they use words like dirty or, you know, what have you. And if you think about it as an act of intimacy, you know, like if this if open door isn't for you, that's fine. Right. But to like label it as it being something, you know, wrong or disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. I can, it's, you know, yeah. It, intimacy is um, it's beautiful. Yeah, it absolutely is. And again. Uh, and you don't, and, 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 you know, you don't need, because there are sweet romances that can get very intimate. Um, yes, yes, you, I agree. You know, and I, I mean, I'm actually, you know, sweet romance writers, if you're out there, I want to have you on the podcast. <laughs> because, oh, that's, that would be, because that would be some great discussions yes. of how you get those hot moments without the actual deed. Without yeah. being hot. I had Samantha Chase on. Um, everybody, She is the only one that I've had on that's closed the door. I mean, her stuff got pretty steamy, even though the deed actually never happened. But I would mm-hmm. love to talk to somebody who does like, you know, very chaste romances because I, you know, how do you because we are so used to intimacy being, you know, being sex or, or, you know, how do you, and so how do you write that without the actual act of sex, which I honestly, I think you did it here, it, even though it's a little bit, you know, sort of, it's, it's, it's more sexy than you would find in a sweet romance, right. but yes, right. but <laughs> this is exactly what you did. Like you just wrote like a very intimate scene without actual sex and particularly this end part, like they had already had that sort of like that moment. And this was mm-hmm. kind of like, not even like, if you pull that out, if you just pull this out and away from that, you know, that, that sexual moment that they had, this stands on its own as a very intimate moment. Yeah, I love them. <laughs> so Theo of of the heroes in the Sometimes series, like Theo is the absolute favorite. People will write to me about him. 
I mean, he, I guess, is a beta, he- beta hero, right? I love the he, he, he is kind of, yeah, he is kind of the beta hero. Or I've heard, you know, he's just, he's very um, driven to doing the right thing and to taking care of his family. And, um, but he's still very hot. <laughs> yeah, I don't think betas get enough love. The alphas always get all the attention. The betas are the beauties, though. They really are. I love the betas. So, Melanie, where uh, where can readers? Okay, wait. First, what's coming up for you? You have a book coming. Um, I do July, July 6th. 6th. Mm-hmm. Yeah, too good to be real. So this is my love letter to romantic comedies. Um, I talk about it being if you've ever seen the movie Austin Land or read the book Austin Land. This is Austin Land for lovers of romantic comedies. It is about a resort that lets you live in a romantic comedy. Oh, what a fun idea. <laughs> you go to the resort and you kind of get to pick from a, a series of experiences. Um, and you have, you, yeah, you basically get to live in a rom-com for a week. Oh, that's so fun. <laughs> so, so yeah, so lots of fun. It's, it's, it's a very fun, um, uh, you were going to say. Well, I was going to say, do they, do, does that mean like you meet a, do they have guys for you to meet? And then after it's so, over, it's like you go home <laughs> and it, and it's like, it never happened. So it's a variety. So there's a couple of yes. So Ooh. she, the, the, <laughs> the heroine is um, a reporter for a um, online um, pop culture magazine, so to speak. It's basically a rip on BuzzFeed. It's called Trendlist, and so she's doing this. Um, she's going there to do a write up on on the opening grand opening of this place, and she's very she loves rom coms, but she's very. Um, kind of like this just doesn't happen in real life. Like the thing the, her her experiences in her own life have taught her that those moments in rom coms just don't exist. So of course, <laughs> of course, she will be proven wrong. Oh, <laughs> uh, what a wonderful idea! And oh my gosh, like you know, somebody out there with resort experience, this is a fun idea. I'm just saying. <laughs> It's yeah. So there's a, a combination of things. Like in Austin Land, there are actors who are there. I, it's it's like LARPing. It's live action yes. role playing. So it's like going into a LARP experience where there are the um the characters who are there. The what is it they call them the NPC non playing characters NPCs okay. something like that. So you know that are kind of there to kind of build atmosphere but there's and there's there's single people there looking for some fun and there are married couples there looking to reignite the spark there's a couple there who um harry and sally (laughs) oh i love it (laughs) who are there to reignite their spark and uh yeah so it's so kind of a mix of things and as the heroine is the reporter she kind of has to delve into like getting little bits and pieces of like how this all works and and um oh, very and, yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, that sounds awesome. I can't wait now till July 6th. I will July 6th. pre-order. Mm-hmm. Is it on pre-order yet or Yes, too good to be real. It's on pre-order. I actually just announced yesterday um there's a special pre-order you can do through Romance Bookstore Love Sweet Arrow and get some extra um prizes and fun stuff fun stuff with your order. Cool. So. And can you uh, talk about the writing lush for just a quick minute? What it, that's separate that's a little bit separate from your persona. Like what do you Um do? so the writing lush is it kind of became my brand by accident. Um I made the whole joke about, you know, write drunk, edit sober. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> you know, write drunk, edit drunker. Is kind of like, what's, um but just just 
it became very much about about writing romance and reading romance is you know kind of indulging in a pleasure not you know not a guilty pleasure but just a ple- like it, be embracing those things that give you pleasure embracing those pieces of of your life that just kind of make things more fun so living like that lush life and and enjoying the things that that bring you pleasure be it romance be it bubble baths be it ice cream be it a glass of wine <laughs> or a cocktail that starts with the letter M. And so it, it kind of, you know, so I have a, a group on Facebook called The Reading Lushes. Um, and it's kind of like my little corner where um, my readers can come and we share cocktail recipes and hot pics of guys in kilts and whatever else floats our boat that day. And it, it, it kind of has slowly be built into a brand because um, – you know, now I have, I'm a co-host of the Boozy Book Broads, which is uh, myself, Daniel Dresser, and Angelina M. Lopez, the three of us who do a, a monthly um, show with it, with, we, we bring in an author and we have a signature cocktail of the night and we just, just have a fun night out in, because it's a virtual event. So we just oh, get, cool. we get, we get boozy and we have a good time. So yeah, <laughs> it's become, it's become kind of my brand, like as more of an author brand versus like it's not so much my books but as just as as me right (laughs) right so where's the best place for people to connect with you online um so you can find me um melanie johnson m-e-l-o-n-i-e and because of the spelling it's pretty easy to find thanks to my mom (laughs) Uh, so uh, instagram my website is melaniejohnson.com if you find the writing hashtag the writing lush you'll probably find me on whatever social media you type that hashtag into. Okay, perfect. And I will have all of the links in the show notes for listeners who do want to connect. Melanie, thank you so much for doing this. This was super fun. Um, yeah, I had a great time. Yeah, Thanks for having yeah. me. Yeah, and you have to come back again. Uh, I I would definitely be happy to do that. We can come back uh, after the with the Papa Son sex book I'm writing right yes! now. Yes. <laughs> more sex coming soon. (laughs) So thank you so much. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Sign up to get email alerts when a new one goes live at lgreco.rocks. And don't forget to five star us on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening. See you next time.